Today we read the part four on page five in your handout. Okay, we begin part four, page five. May all beings be happy and secure. May all beings have happy minds. Whatever living beings there may be, without exception, weak or strong, long, large, medium, short, subtle, or gross, Visible or invisible, living near or far, born or coming to birth, may all beings have happy minds. Let no one deceive another, nor despise anyone anywhere. Neither from anger nor ill will should anyone wish harm to another. As a mother who risk her own life to protect her only child, even so towards all living beings, one should cultivate a boundless heart. One should cultivate for all the world a heart of boundless loving friendliness above, below, and all around, unobstructed, without hate or resentment, whether standing, walking, or sitting, lying down, no anywhere awake. One should develop this mindfulness. This is called divinely dwelling here not falling into erroneous views, virtuous and without vision, removing desires for sensual pleasures, one comes never again to birth in the womb. <coughs> this is another very meaningful, all-encompassing metta practice. If you just reflect on each of these lines that we recited, you will see no one is precluded from this practice. We all want to want everybody to be happy and secure and live with peace and happiness. no exception, and then you can see the categories of beings, long beings, large ones, medium-sized ones, short, and very subtle or gross. Some are near us so that they are visible to us. Some are near us, they are invisible. And yet there are some who are far away from us, and they are also invisible. We include all of them. 
Some are already born and live. Others are coming into existence in the process of rebirth. And even they need a great deal of loving friendliness from us. And we also wish everyone not to deceive one another. Deceiving is very hurting, damaging, and very painful state. And even despising one another We wish others, we not only abstain from despising, but we also wish others not to despise. Here we practice metta in our way, and then we wish others also to practice metta the same way. Sometimes temporary anger can cause others harm. Even when somebody is temporarily angry, even that moment the person should not think of harm, harming others. Also when there are Ill will is very strong. They can hurt others. So we want to abstain from using our anger or ill will to hurt others and also wish others not to use their anger or ill will to hurt others. So we also wish, just as a mother would protect her only child, even at the risk of her own life. This doesn't mean a mother simply sacrifices her life for her child, but she takes even some risks to protect the child. While taking risks, she even might hurt herself or even lose her life. That was not her intention. When she risked her life, if she even killed herself to protect the child, that is not the protection of the child. Child will be an orphan without the mother. She does not want to do that. She wants to live to protect the child. But the, when the child is in danger, she doesn't think of her own life, but 
tries to protect her child, hoping that she can live and she can make her child live. But this is not, losing her life is not intentional. It is very much like fire, firefighters. Firefighters don't go to burning houses to kill themselves. Before they go, they take all precautionary measures, grabbing their fireproof garments and checking the trucks and safely go there so that they can protect themselves and save the lives of people and in the house. But there, are, there is a risk in doing so. But the person would not go there to kill himself or herself. Out of compassion, the person might do something very tricky, very, very delicate. Perhaps in the act he might even die, <clears throat> but that is not the person's purpose. <clears throat> so when we practice metta, we sometimes risk our own life in order to help others. That is very altruistic motive. We know it has happened many times in human history. We know that. And these thoughts of living friendliness we cultivate for the, the entire world and fill our heart with loving friendliness without any boundaries, limitations, restrictions. We radiate these thoughts of loving friendliness all around us, above, below, everywhere, wherever the living beings are. And there is no particular time, place, posture for this practice. Whether we are sitting on the cushion or sleeping in our bed, traveling, working, talking, in any situation, we can keep these thoughts of living friendliness. Not only in the presence of people, but even in the absence, we cultivate these thoughts. We think of others with loving, friendly thoughts. We speak of others with loving, friendly thoughts. And we act with loving, friendly thoughts. Our thoughts, words, and actions 
always must be motivated by loving friendliness. Therefore, there is no any particular time, place and posture to practice metta. When we are together in meditation like this, we recite them in order to bring ourselves together in our practice, to bring harmony so that we all are in one frame of mind, one mood, one expression. So we enrich ourselves with these thoughts together, supporting each other. This is how we do in a group. But when we are alone, we do the same thing. Whether we all are together or separate, the thoughts that we cultivate in our mind should be the same. There is no degree of metta, high degree, low degree and so forth all have the same degree. True metta doesn't have different qualities. It has the same quality. It has no limited number. It includes all beings. So there is no quantity, quality, and any other limitations for this practice. That is why this practice is called appamanya, immeasurable, boundless. And this also is called subha, subhanti adhimutto hoti. When we reach higher state of concentration, this becomes a beautiful practice. We begin with, <clears throat> in a very small way, and develop it till we attain the highest level of concentration. There it is called beautiful practice. And this practice is called Brahma Vihara. Brahma here doesn't actually mean divine, but it simply means holy, noble. Not all divine beings are holy or noble. Therefore, this doesn't refer to any other being who has perfect friendliness, but this refers to holiness, noble, nobility, purity, clarity, noble states of mind, holy state of mind, like Brahmacharya, 
Brahmacharya is called, is the word used for noble life, pure life, holy life. Similarly, Brahma Vihara is the way we maintain our mind in purity, in the noble state, holy state, not referring to any particular person or being. So, so long as we have this state of mind, we experience great noble qualities within ourselves. We feel pure and clean. That doesn't come from any particular person or any outside agent. We have the potential within ourselves. We bring it to full blossom in practicing metta. We want to bring to the fullest degree of perfections of our own inner noble qualities. When these qualities are perfected, they are called parami, metta parami, perfections of loving friendliness. That perfection is not uh, an emulation or imitation, imitating somebody, but it is a development within our heart. From the very root of metta that we all have within ourselves, just like hatred is a root, Non-hatred also is a root. Hatred is unwholesome root. Non-hatred or loving friendliness is a wholesome root. Among roots in our mind, among six roots, greed, hatred and delusion, non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion, among these six Roots, non-hatred refers to loving friendliness. That is a root. It's in rudimentary form in our mind. Undeveloped, uncultivated, very basic, essential root is there. So we deliberately develop it cultivate it, nourish it, bring to the full force of it, to make it a perfection. So what we do in metta practice is opening the door for this noble quality to manifest itself in our thoughts, words and deeds. So I would rather use the word Brahma-vihara, dwelling in the 
noble, holy, pure state of mind, rather than divine beings, which may have many different connotations. <clears throat> so with this very beautiful, meaningful beginning practice, we continue our meditation. As I answered one of the questions last evening, when we begin with noticing the beginning, middle and end of each breath, inhaling and exhaling, eventually all merge with one. All become all converge into the sensation of breathing. And then the beginning, middle and end all disappear. All we notice would simply be the sensation of breath. And we keep paying attention to that. All other details will disappear as we gain concentration. When you gain that, when you attain that state, stay with it, keeping mind focused on that sensation. Only when mind wanders here and there, you may start, as I mentioned last evening, start counting so that wandering mind settles down. When the mind settles down, if you feel sleepy, then you have to do something like taking a deep breath and holding it and breathe out slowly several times until your body warms up, sleepiness fades away. When you have doubts about your own practice, just notice how much you have gained from your own practice. Whatever little gain you have made, that becomes the basis of your confidence. You have to build the confidence from your own practice in order to overcome doubt. If you have greed as a hindrance, you can see how quickly things are changing, disappearing, and greed has no place to hold on to any of them, and greed itself fades away, being defeated by constant change. Change or impermanence, it, 
impermanence dominates everything and greed has no power in front of this changing phenomenon and greed slowly subsides. As we practice metta, if hatred, anger arises, return to your metta practice and then anger or resentment fades away. In front of metta, power of metta, anger, resentment cannot stand. It becomes weak and passes away. So there is a remedy for each and every hindrance that arises. If we use our mindfulness practice to recall the remedy, the practice becomes easier. Don't get confused with all kind of ideas, theories, beliefs, practices. But stay with the cause. When confusion arises, you go to clear the mind of confusion by looking at what really is happening, such as constant change makes you understand that there is no central authority to control the change. To keep it steady and stick to one place or one point, all you experience is continuous change. Then you realize there is no reason to get confused with regard to having some central authority, the power to control everything. The control is our own mindfulness, awareness, insight, wisdom, understanding. Only they control our confusion. As mind becomes clearer and clearer, those are the things that become stronger. So you can easily clear your way in the practice if you understand these few suggestions. With these few words, I like to stop so that we all can see how real, how true, how easy it is to continue the practice with understanding.